0: Today's conversation is the podcast of the National Association of Evangelicals, hosted by Walter Kim, NAE President. Today's conversation is with Tim Mackey, co-founder of The Bible Project. The topic? The Bible and creativity. Today's conversation is brought to you by Christian Community Credit Union, where faith and finances come together. This Christmas, pay with a purpose using the credit union's credit cards. Our cards give back to missions and earn rewards with every purchase. Visit mycccu.com slash NAE to learn more. That's mycccu.com slash NAE. The credit union is an equal opportunity lender. Each account is insured up to $250,000. By member's choice, this institution is not federally insured. And now, let's join in.
1: I'm Walter Kim, here with Tim Mackey, who co-founded The Bible Project in 2014. Before starting The Bible Project, Tim was a pastor at Blackhawk Church in Madison, Wisconsin, and then at Door of Hope Church in Portland, where he also served as a part-time professor at Western Seminary. Tim has a degree in theology from Western Seminary and a PhD in Hebrew Bible and Jewish studies from the University of Wisconsin-Madison sharing his interests in the ancient Near East. I've known of and appreciated Tim's work for years. Thank you for joining us, Tim.
2: Yeah, Walter, great to talk with you.
1: So the Bible Project probably doesn't need much of an introduction, but let me say, it's a multimedia company that helps people experience the Bible as this unified story. It has over 2 million subscribers on YouTube, over hundred. 80 million video views, and it's translated into how many languages now, Tim?
2: Uh, yeah, you know, I think the last update meeting I was in, it's uh, 27, uh, but it kind of every month the number keeps
1: moving forward. So Tim, clearly these videos and podcasts are a significant resource for Christians. Did you ever actually imagine that it would become what it is today?
2: Um, No. Not at all. <laughs> no, no. Uh, I mean, you, you know, whenever you start a, a project, one hopes th- that it succeeds if you think it's a cool project or you believe in it. But uh, um, no, we just kind of, we'd had a pretty simple idea based on uh, some things that I'm happy to share with this story, but some things that we, my friend John and I, had done in the past. And, uh, but it really was just kind of a harebrained idea making some short videos about biblical theology. Yeah, that's amazing. Okay, well, let's stop being somebody would like them or find them
1: useful. <laughs> right, well, yeah. clearly a lot of people have. <laughs> yeah. So let's step back a little bit and get a snapshot of who you are. How, how, how did you come to faith?
2: Yeah, my um, my parents are followers of Jesus. They um, became Christians uh, when the Jesus movement made its way up the West Coast in the, uh, in the late 60s, early 70s. Um, uh, they, they were brought up in a really strict religious environments, um, my parents were. And so they uh, took the exact opposite approach with my sister and I. Uh, so they weren't that heavy handed, you know, our family attended church, but uh, they really wanted my sister and I to discover uh, following Jesus for ourselves if we were going to. And so um, after a long journey of thinking anything to do with Jesus, was the stupidest thing in the world because it's what my parents did. (laughs) Uh, I um, was kind of confronted with Jesus and who he is and his story through of outreach ministry to skateboarders in Portland, Oregon. Mm -hmm. It was a uh, a church that opened a skate park and in the evenings uh, would open it up to the community. And then halfway through uh, the night session, um, they would turn off the lights and somebody would stand up and give a short talk about Jesus one of his teachings or a story about him and um to skate the park the second half of the night you had to sit through the talk <laughs> so that was kind of the rule and uh, so there you go so you know it was a dry place to skateboard in portland and so i went for most of my late teen years and was just weekly exposed to the stories about Jesus and they did a number on me uh so that by the time i was almost 20 Uh, I just was unavoidable. Uh, Jesus was unavoidable to me. And so that was kind of my big life trajectory shift when I started following Jesus.
1: That's such a cool story and innovative ministry that reached out to you. Yes, absolutely. So people become followers of Jesus. You became a follower of Jesus. But specifically, how did your passion for the Bible and your desire to help other people understand it? How did that develop?
2: Yeah, well, yeah, God's strange providence, I suppose. So that skate park uh, in the back lot of the church was also across the street from uh, one of the main uh, Christian Bible colleges in uh, Portland, where I grew up. And so <clears throat> um, I, I had a number of friends who we had all were skateboarders and had kind of start, started following Jesus or become Christians around the same time, and a number of them were signed up for classes. Um, and I was asked to like lead a Bible study for junior high skaters and like I had no clue what I was talking about and uh, I didn't have any college aspirations at the time. It was just really quite as simple as my friends uh, signed up for classes over there across the street. Um, I have to teach this Bible study. Oh and they have like a class called Introduction to Studying the Bible (laughs) and so I signed up for classes and Uh, both the community, that ministry community around the skate park, and then, uh, a a few professors, uh, that just like brought me into the wonderful world of biblical literature. Uh, and really it was like, I think it was my early twenties. My brain was actually finally turning on and, uh, the whole world, of just learning in general, I had never expressed much of an interest in that, (laughs) but, uh but specifically uh, uh, following Jesus and understanding the Bible, the history, culture, language, the literary art, the whole thing. It was mm-hmm. like became my gateway to understanding the whole world. And uh, mm-hmm. so I got hooked on biblical studies from, my, from the first and I majored in it in undergrad and, and for all the other too many years that I went to school. But, yeah. uh, so, but, but really it was the, this handful of professors who just introduced the Bible to me in ways that I had never even thought to imagine it before as it was just became the most beautiful, exciting thing for me to learn about.
1: So you mentioned a number of things about the Bible, it's literary context, the world. So that opened up to you, but um, you did this PhD in Hebrew Bible, Jewish studies. What were your particular research interests there?
2: Yeah. Well, um, you know, so Multnomah was the name of of the college. Um, uh, It was kind of a a general degree in Bible and theology, but I I did major in biblical languages. Once I um, got hooked on Greek and Hebrew, there was no going back. Um, And so I went to seminary, also in Portland, at Western Seminary, and did more exegesis and and church history and theology. But I really wanted to, by that point, gain a skill set like a really rigorous skill set for doing language, history, cultural background type of, of research. Um, but the key issues for me actually were about the later stages of, um, of the Bible, especially for the Hebrew Bible, the canon formation, the manuscript history, and the compilation uh, of the Hebrew Bible, and then how that formed so much of the context in the second temple period for the birth of early Christianity. So kind of that overlap has always been kind of my area of special interest. Um, So I did my dissertation on uh, the manuscript differences between the Greek Septuagint uh, and the medieval manuscripts of the book of Ezekiel in Hebrew. And, uh, but, but for me, it was all a question of what was going on when uh, at the latest stages of the compilation of the Hebrew Bible. And um, to me, those are actually really important questions for Jews and Christians and anybody to be asking about where the Bible came from, so.
1: and, and studying at uh, a secular university, you did your PhD at University of uh, Wisconsin, Madison. Yeah. Uh, describe what that experience was like. I mean, you, you said you went to Multnomah, this Christian environment, and of course, yeah. seminary. Yeah. Uh, distinctly Christian environment. And yet when you're doing this PhD work and you're exploring issues like the Septuagint and the formation yeah. of the Canon yeah. um, it, at a place like Wisconsin, d- describe that experience. Was it very different than the approach that you uh, had in Multnomah? Was it similar? Hmm. And
2: Yeah, interesting. Yeah, it was different. I mean, it was, uh, it was not a religious studies department. Uh, So the Hebrew Bible department kind of existed as a cross between the Jewish studies department at university of Wisconsin and the language department. Um, So what I loved about it was it, the program attracted um, Jewish students um, and then mostly um, students who were Christians, but from all over the Christian tradition. Um, And, but the goal wasn't to do theology. Um, It was to learn Hebrew like nobody's business uh, and Greek uh, and to just learn how to read these texts in their historical cultural context. And so the the typically divisive issues didn't really come up. They weren't the focus. Uh, Mm -hmm. The focus was really on honing your skill set in language and historical backgrounds. And so it was wonderful because I just was exposed to such broad Spectrum of the Jewish and Christian tradition, and um, uh, and that it was it was wonderful in, in that way. I'm, I continue to be uh, grateful every day for the skill set that I was able mm-hmm. to develop there.
1: Okay, so it's a marvelous set of skills that you've developed. Immerse yourself in the biblical languages, um, but it's not completely obvious to me how would you you would get from there to the Bible project. Oh, sure. Um, <laughs> it's so, not obvious so, to me either. <laughs> yeah, okay. So work, work with us here. Give us yeah. a little bit of the path. I mean, did you yeah. connect with your uh, co-founder John Collins um, in a previous setting or afterwards, or oh, yeah. h- h- how did this yeah. develop?
2: Yeah, yeah. Actually, we met at the uh, that ministry outreach to skateboarders. Um, So he had moved down from Seattle, Washington, to Portland to go to Multnomah for college, and then got involved with the skate park ministry, Um, and that's where we met. Um, So uh, we were kind of acquaintances, and then friends, and then um, we actually overlapped um, as roommates in a house with a bunch of people living in the house, and so that's where our friendship started. Um, as it turned out, the, um, the amazing young women that we both uh, dated and got married to, they were also friends. And so that kind of four-way friendship um, just kind of carried on through the years. So even when I moved away, um, whenever we would come back and visit, we would often get together with John and his wife. And so um, while I was uh, going to school for far too long, John, was um, developing employable skills <laughs> in uh, <laughs> video editing, um, in videography. And then he um, had started a business uh, right on the front edge of YouTube. So kind of in early mid 2000s, um, creating short animated explainer videos. Um, and John just has an amazing gift. And it's a really, it's an innate kind of ability, a, a, a talent that he has to understand he's a voracious consumer of all kinds of content. Not only in book form though he does like to read but he just podcasts, videos, online classes. He just constantly loves learning about new things. But he has this ability to uh, take in all of the complexities of a topic and distill it to its essence. The core things that if somebody just understood this everything else would kind of follow. Or you would have a category for everything else and so he started making short videos that did this um, for clients mostly in the in the tech startup world and um, so he was five years into a business um, before i uh, moved back to portland um, i'd finished my phd and found that really that for me the sweet spot personally was being in a local church setting um, but a church that cared about learning and cared about really thoughtful engagement with the Bible. And so uh, I was, I just thought, well, I'm going to be a teaching pastor. That's a, there's a role for teaching in the church. And I enjoyed doing that much more than kind of the, in the academic career approach. And so I moved back to Portland um, and was a pastor and J- John approached me with the idea. I was like, Hey, I make these videos. I have an animation studio. And uh, he and I had been having theological conversations for years. And so he said, man, let's take some of these things that we've talked about through the years and kind of distill them into short videos. So that's what we did. <laughs> there's a little awesome. bit m- more to it after, after that, but that was kind of the genesis. It was John's
1: idea, That
2: is what I'm saying here. It was all John's mm-hmm. idea. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it seems like there's a real resonance between the two of you, yeah. both personally as families as well. Yeah. And professionally, in the ways that you engage with learning and content. So yeah. you've alluded to an issue of uh, explaining. So John is really good at explaining, yeah. distilling the essence of an issue. That once you understand that essence, you're able to therefore build upon that, and other things make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, is that was that the problem you were trying to solve about the Bible, like the need oh. to uh. distill the essence of something, or was there some mm. other? particular problem that you saw with the church's engagement with the Bible that you were trying to solve?
2: Yeah, 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 that's, yeah, It's a great way of asking that question. Uh, yeah, it was different. It wasn't just to explain things. John, John and I had two very different experiences with the Bible. Um, again, because my parents didn't really push their religious convictions on us, it, at least not in a way that felt, you know, restrictive or uh, oppressive to me as a kid, um, the Bible just didn't play a huge role, uh, in, I didn't read it growing up. My parents didn't make me read it, you know, or memorize it, that kind of thing. And so for me, I was coming at it all pretty much fresh, uh, in my early twenties, um, I was reading the Bible, most of the Bible for the first time in my early twenties. And it was again, in that context of the skate park and those amazing teachers I first had, it was all just awesome. John had the opposite experience where um, the Bible for him was a part of this worldview package that his mom tells me um, never made sense to him. (laughs) The, 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 The version of the Christian belief and message he just always had questions about, apparently from a very young age. And it's just, he's inquisitive and wants to understand how things are reasonably coherent and how all the pieces work together. And so that's why he went to a Bible college, was because he was kind of at this point where if I'm going to believe and live this, I need to really understand how it works. And uh, he'll tell you, he walked away from Bible college more confused. And and not because of a spirit to deconstruct Christianity, he was literally just trying to understand it. And the Bible became uh, an obstacle to a coherence in his Christian worldview. And so he was down for following Jesus, but the Bible was problematic for him in trying to help him build his faith. And so um, I was coming at it from, this is the most amazing literature in the world. It all illuminates who Jesus is. It it opens up the whole world before you. And he came at it with the opposite experience. And so for us, it was, um, we realized that as we begin to talk and explore, that um, our two experiences with the bible were representative for a lot of people a lot of people find the bible compelling beautiful important in very personal ways Um, and some of those same people or uh, a different group of people find the bible obscure weird challenging and more an obstacle or or object of confusion and so that that was one that's a, a big part of the personal Uh, histories that we have with the Bible that are are going into the project. Uh, Another one, and I'll try not to go on for a long time, but I think it's something that John and I over time began to observe about uh, paradigms or preloaded assumptions that people have, especially people who have been raised in not just Protestant, but also I think Catholic and Orthodox traditions, preloaded assumptions about what is the Bible and what do you do with it? Um, And a lot of it's just how the Bible is used in communities of faith um, is often as like a theology dictionary. Um, What am I supposed to believe? What are correct beliefs? And what are the pages or chapters and verses that I can find the answers to those questions to believe the right thing? Um, uh, Another main set of assumptions is the Bible is a moral handbook. So God wants us to behave in certain ways that are are good um, and not bad. So what are the the stories or the chapters and verses that tell me how to behave. Um, and, and then another one is just the Bible is God's love letter to me. And it gives me that personal little warm fuzzy of God's presence and love on, you know, usually in sentence or two sentence chunks. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, and so we found these are predominantly the way most people engage the Bible. And what all of those approaches, the instinct is right that the Bible should influence what I believe about the world and how I live in it. And it should connect me, right, to to the living God. But how it does those things, um, I think uh, there's a lot of unhelpful ways of doing that that are the majority way that people are exposed to the Bible. And so we're trying to help introduce people to what the Bible is and how it does those things, but along the grain of the biblical literature itself, or along with its design intention, which is as poetry and narrative
1: mainly. So you've described the situation in which uh, people effectively have different interpretive lenses yeah. uh, to scripture. They they bring their life experience or perspective and ask certain things of the Bible and expect certain types of answers of mm-hmm. the Bible, which you've very compellingly described, the different types of answers. Um, yeah. So when it comes to producing your videos, how do you navigate the fact that Christians have differing interpretations of passages of scripture? Yeah. Maybe because they bring different lenses. Yes. Uh, but when you come to specific passages, like the creation account, for instance, you know Christians mm-hmm. have different interpretations of the creation account. And, uh, I'm not asking really to remark on the creation account as much yeah. as Just how do you navigate yeah. the fact that passages sometimes really have differing types of interpretations
2: yep yeah well for for the most part kind of the big context for that is what we're trying to do with our content is is create content about the bible and its message that bowls down the center lane to use the metaphor of the christian tradition call it generous orthodoxy call it whatever you want to call it Um, for the most part which is we're using a biblical theology approach instead of coming with our questions or maybe our denominational or systematic theology distinctives. We're just trying to hear the main themes and ideas of the biblical authors as they develop them through repetition and narrative patterning and so on. And so when we do that, what we find is we're focusing mainly on the stuff every, all the traditions agree on. Um, however, inevitably, of course, when you come to certain parts of the Bible or themes, there are forks in the road. There are boundary line issues for certain traditions. So our approach has typically been to try and summarize quickly. Um, here's a point where people disagree. Some people think this, some people think that, but despite the disagreement, what everybody agrees on, and then we go forward. Mm. Um, I don't know how many times we've done that formula, but it's quite a few. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and then and then on s- in some videos, uh, if we feel like it's important, we'll explore each viewpoint real quick and then and then move on. But even in that, you're trying to instill that people who genuinely want to understand and follow Jesus may come to different conclusions. Uh, mm-hmm. and so here's the range of positions. And even though they differ, they still have an enormous amount in common. And so let's go forward with that.
1: That's usually kind of our approach. So, with that approach, did that approach determine the particular style of animation for the Bible Project? To what extent oh, did your approach impact the style of delivery? Yeah. Or was yeah. it just a happy convergence of, hey, John has this skill set in animation? You have this skill set uh, in biblical content, and you're just going to make a marriage happen.
2: Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was all super org- organic. Um, so many of the videos are conver- conversation, like dialogue, um, mm-hmm. where you'll be John's voice or my voice, um, uh, or now we actually have another scholar on our team, Chris Quinn, and so maybe it'll just be her voice, mm-hmm. um, but uh, r- really th- these videos and the content, the whole thing was born out of John and I talking for years about the Bible and about theology. And so we wanted to capture that dialogical nature of what these videos, where they come from. Uh, and there's also something, um, pedagogically that's disarming when you hear two people talking and kind of helping each other, um, clarify and, and learn together. It feels different. Um, than just a monologue that we do have some monologue videos. So, so that's that part. Um, as far as the visual styles, um, we have chosen not to use one visual type other than the fact that it's um, illustrated and anim- animated illustrations. Um, but the visual style of the illustrations differs from video to video. We have some series where we'll use the same visual style for the series, but um, well, this is p- partially just because we b- believe in our art team so much um, is we don't we we want the visual style to match the tone and the unique content of this particular biblical theme or this particular biblical book. And so we wanted them to communicate more than just what the words do, but through the visual medium part of this big, big part of the, of the message. And so you know, the the biblical authors are brilliant literary artists. And so we wanted that artistry to be translated and you can feel that we hope through the visual medium. There's also a practical point there, which is just, we didn't want our artists to get bored doing the same thing over and over again. (laughs) And and so we hope they are, we want them to feel like they're in art school, constantly exploring new styles and developing new techniques and
1: so on. Well, clearly you're bringing together uh, creativity and deep biblical scholarship and when i think about the history of the church the church certainly had moments uh, mm. high watermarks mm. of creative output uh, mm. produced by christians i would probably venture to say that currently the christian subculture in america may not necessarily be counted in the grand scheme of things as a high watermark uh, yeah, uh, for the church's right. contribution in the areas yeah. of cre- the creative arts. <laughs> yeah. um, but how do you think of creativity and our calling as Christians?
2: Yeah, well, um, I mean, uh, yeah, it, it's actually worthy. It's it's a, a biblical theme as it were. I mean, part of the c- creation commission um, to be fruitful, to multiply, to harness the potential, creation's potential and channel it towards productivity and flourishing and, and mutual benefit. Um, I, it seems to me cr- the creative arts, are, well, though they're not utilitarian, right? Towards uh, a, a productivity end of like, you know, artists aren't typically, you know, the ones building cities or deciding policies, that kind of thing for how a city operates or something. Um, but uh, the, the arts are the means by which the human imagination is expanded, challenged uh, and, and given new, new horizons to, to think over. And so um, I, I see the creative arts as being one of the, the most important parts of any given culture. And especially in um, the Christian movement, which is so much about telling a different story about the world. Um, than the typical uh, institutions or powers that be in the stories they have to tell us about what's true about our world and so the arts have always uh, been really crucial the fact that biblical literature is what it is <laughs> uh, is the testament to the fact that it was birthed very much as a, a movement of literary art uh, representing the things that God was doing on the ground in in the life of Abraham's family and in, in the movement of Jesus. So uh, so I I have a hard time being concise when (laughs) we're on topics that are really interesting to me. So uh, one thing that's been our experience, um, um, most of our artists on our art team um, uh, have, are pretty familiar with the Bible, though not everybody. And, um, our actually our art and design team is probably um, would, are the most diverse spiritually group of people on our team in terms of their own backgrounds with uh, Christianity and so on. And I've we've actually found that to be a huge asset because um, uh, many of them didn't grow up on Christian religious media. They wouldn't even know VeggieTales if they saw it. I mean, they could read it like, oh, that's VeggieTales, but like they didn't grow up on it. And so I found that to be a huge asset where um, they don't know what Christian religious media looks like d- different than anything else. And so they just want to make stuff that looks cool and that is inspiring to them. And so I hope that that's uh, um, reflected in what we're doing, that we're just trying to explore a different kind of visual medium than has has been typical in our cultural setting. But again, that wasn't something we, I mean, I guess we kind of aimed on it, aimed for that, but uh John's also just like a true aesthete, like he just really cares about good art and a bit of snob that way. And so he, he wouldn't tolerate cheesy
1: religious art. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I suspect yeah. you're kind of a snob when it comes to biblical languages though. So you know, uh, yeah, sure, about...
2: <laughs> that's right. Or call it co- connoisseur. You, you care about yes. quality and things being done the right way. Yeah,
1: that's right. <laughs> that's, that's great. Yeah. yeah. So um, I, I'm speculating here, but I want you to draw this out. Uh, you know, pre-pandemic, post-pandemic, what you're doing at the Bible Project seems like it would have been equally applicable uh, yeah. before and after because of the medium that you've chosen to work in and through. Mm. But is that the case? Have you noticed any shift in the ways that people have um, engaged mm. with your material mm. during the pandemic?
2: Uh-huh. Yeah, no, you're, you're totally right. Your intuition is, is correct there. Um, it wasn't something that we planned necessarily, but it just so happened the main medium and platform that we're using is both YouTube and then just online delivery. Um, and uh, we are able to give away all of this content for free and with no ads or no paywall or subscription you know, payments um, because from the beginning, and again, this was John's idea of uh, starting um, kind of a a micro patron model, which is if you find the videos helpful, hey, donate a few bucks and help us make some more. And uh, when the number of people uh, begins to grow, it creates a pretty stable base to be able to build an animation studio. And so that's what's happened over time. So what we found was, yeah, in pandemic era, uh, where people are at home more and looking for more content to either learn on their own or to learn with uh, friends or family. Uh, We've totally noticed that. Um, So we've seen a a large amount of momentum and growth in our audience uh, and growth in the number of people who are learning about the Bible Project and getting behind what we're doing. Um, So it felt like a very providential kind of experience that we couldn't have planned. So uh, yes, we have noticed all of those things and uh, mm-hmm. are, are feeling uh, really humbled um, that we get to be in this role where we, we feel more like our, our work's more meaningful than ever because um, we're actually serving a lot more people than we were a year ago. Hmm.
1: That's all very encouraging to hear because um, clearly your material is scratching an itch um it's really helping people understand the bible in a way that's very engaging it's bringing things mm. to life it's uh truly a, comp- a contribution to mm. the life of the church at this particular time um as well as i'm sure those exploring faith who mm. are wondering where do you even begin um mm. to understand this crazy book the bible which yeah. is in the yeah. you know, categories yeah. that seem so foreign to me and yet you've yeah. just produced a set of videos that make it extremely accessible and uh, i've discovered that um, with people who are um, not raised in the christian tradition are not christians that i've shown this video to and all Mm. of a sudden Mm. it's uh, clicked like oh so is this what christianity is yeah and i find that deeply encouraging not only for the education of the church but also for outreach to a highly secularized Mm. Mm. uh, society who Mm. who access the bible in a very fresh and compelling way. So I'm, mm. I'm really encouraged mm. by that work. Yeah,
2: man, thank you for, for sharing that. Um, uh, yeah, I, for me personally, one of the biggest encouragements or compliments I feel like we can get is when somebody who's not religious or wouldn't identify as a Christian, um, one, if they f- at least find it interesting, like, oh, now I understand what my aunt or uncle believes, you know, because they're a Christian. Um, but then two, uh, John and I also b- believe the story of, of Jesus, which is the story of the whole Bible, uh, kind of at its heart. It's compelling. It's beautiful. Uh, and if we can um, disassociate that story from a lot of the baggage that it's, you know, kind of attracted for different people for different reasons over time, and just let people hear the story, it does its own work on people, just like it did on me in that skate park. <laughs> just hearing the stories of Jesus and how he treated people and what he said. And so I hope that we're able to um, do that for people and um, you know help somebody on their kind of journey of faith or pre-faith where, wherever they're at.
1: Tim, that I think is a marvelous place for us to land this conversation. Okay. Uh, I think it's such a compelling vision for what you're doing that people would be introduced to jesus in a way that's compelling and that would be the greatest compliment so thank you very much
2: yeah absolutely walter yeah
1: so our guest on today's conversation has been tim Mackey, co-founder of the bible project i'm walter kim and on behalf of us all very special thanks to tim
0: the national association of evangelicals is where we use influence for good Today's conversation is one of many ways we connect and represent evangelical Christians in the United States. To discover more NAE topics and resources for you and your church, please follow along on Twitter at NAEvangelicals or on our Facebook page for the National Association of Evangelicals. And sign up for our email list when you visit our website at nae.net.